0: Hey and hello everybody, David Jacobs. Welcome back to D-Stories. These are personal stories about my life. I'm a professional voiceover actor. You can find me on the internet at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. If you want to email me, contact me at david at davidjacobsvoiceover.com. Today, I want to talk about Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a little town in the desert in California. And I went there a lot as a kid because my grandmother lived there. My grandmother from the Bad Jew story that lived in Chicago and also Palm Springs. She lived in Chicago during the summertime because the summer times in Palm Springs are very difficult, extraordinarily hot. So she would go to Chicago, which was a little more hospitable. And then in the winter, which is very difficult in Chicago, she goes to Palm Springs. And it's wonderful there. So we were there mostly in the winter times. And we went many weekends, some holidays. And I absolutely love Palm Springs. There's just something about the atmosphere, the temperature, the palm trees. There's palm trees everywhere. I absolutely love palm trees. There's just something about Palm Springs that I just loved. One of the best things is the temperature, as I said. If you go in the wintertime, not the summer, the wintertime, it is fantastic. Temperatures in the daytime, low 80s as I remember it, maybe mid-80s, warm, but not too warm. And at night was my favorite, because at night it was like 72, 73, warm for sure, but not too warm. It's like... A warm bath. That's what it felt like in Palm Springs at nighttime. Like a nice warm bath. Very warm, but somehow so comforting. There was just something about that nice, gentle warmth in the evening that I absolutely loved. And the palm trees, they light them up. They look so good with the light coming up from the ground. And oh, it's like a magical time at nighttime. I don't know what it is. I loved it. So the temperature is perfect. The other great thing is it's flat. Because it's a desert, it's completely flat, which makes riding a bike great. And of course, I had a bike there. And riding around is just terrific. You can ride forever and ever because everything's flat and easy to ride on. And I rode my bike all over the place, all over the neighborhoods and the streets. And there was a downtown area you could ride to only takes you like seven, eight minutes to get to. And it's this really cool downtown uh, stretch of street. And there's shops and restaurants and people walking around. And there was this great A&W root beer stand right in the center of it. And you could get a root beer or a soda or a burger or some hot dog fries, whatever. Great place to hang out and have lunch and just ride around and see what's going on downtown. Then out back of my grandmother's apartment, there was an undeveloped piece of land, and it's all dirt, completely undeveloped, just dirt and sand and rough and ready. And this place was great for like dirt biking. And you can ride over all kinds of stuff, and there's Just natural hills created and jumps, all kinds of cool natural jumps for your bike. Just a really fun off-road riding. So you've got riding, you can do flat on the streets and just go as far as you want. you got off-road in the dirt and sand out back. Just fabulous. You could ride your bike all day and have a great time. So I did a lot of that. Then there was a country club literally across the street from my grandmother's place and uh, she was a member there and I loved playing tennis. I was a big, big tennis player. And so I loved going over there sometimes and just playing tennis. They had all kinds of courts. They could set you up for matches or sometimes I played with my mom and just hang out at the club playing tennis. You can get lunch over there. You can just watch matches as they go on. Just a good time hanging out, doing tennis stuff. So that's another great thing that I did. A third great thing that I did, which was maybe even my most favorite thing to do, is hiking. So out behind the tennis club. The tennis club was set right up against this mountain. Very, very, very large, large mountain. It's set right up at the base of it. So if you go out to the back of the tennis club, you can get to the base of the mountain and you can start hiking up the thing. And it's really a very easy hike. It's not really all that difficult. It's, you know, somewhat vertical. Got to have good shoes. And you've got to be able to hike over rocks and boulders and, you know, things like this. But as a young kid, piece of cake. And you just, you get some water because it's going to be hot and you're going to be out there for a while. So you got to get some water and some snacks. And you just start hiking, man. And you're just hiking and you're bouldering over these boulders and walking up this mountain And you can go as far as you want. You can hike for 15 minutes. You can hike for an hour. It really doesn't matter. The mountain is huge, you know. So you just start hiking and hiking and you go as far as you want. And it's just really fun time. And once you get up a little bit high, at least 15, 20 minutes up, all of a sudden you're high enough and you get this great view super cool view of the whole desert the whole area you can really see really far and it's just fun to be on this mountain and i would hike up there for well probably usually the the max i would do is about probably an hour because you know an hour going up an hour going down so you have to be uh, aware of that so i would usually do about an hour up and then an hour down, that's about as, uh, as much as I felt like doing at a time. Sometimes I might push it a little bit further just to kind of, you always see like, well, how far can I go today? Can I go any farther? Can I, how high exactly can I get? And it was just great, great fun hiking around up this mountain. And uh, I never had a problem. I never fell or twisted my ankle. The only thing you got to worry about up there is snakes because there were some snakes. I don't think they were super dangerous or poisonous, but you do got to watch out for the snakes. Every once in a while, you might see one. So hiking up that mountain behind the club was just super fun. I would do that every time that I was there. The other thing that I remember, you know, some memories are like etched in your mind. And the memory that's etched into my mind is the orange juice maker. So out in the uh backside there was a little strip of grass just out back of the apartment and in that little strip was an orange bush and you could get fresh oranges off that thing and so my grandma loved to get fresh oranges and make orange juice in the morning now she happened to have an electric orange juice maker and her orange juice maker had a motor that was very loud And when you put the orange on it, it would sort of, you know, make the motor go, and this thing was super loud and it would wake you up every morning. This in effect was the alarm clock. You would wake up every morning to that orange juice just being made. That's it. And since she put the, you know, just cut the orange in half, put it on the maker, you're getting super fresh right from the orange, orange juice with the pulp, okay? This is why I drink orange juice with pulp to this day. Because as a kid, orange juice came with pulp at grandma's house, and God help you, number one, if you didn't want to drink it. Oh, no, no, you're going to drink your orange juice. It's good for you, grandma says. You drink your orange juice. And you drink it as it comes. You don't complain about the pulp. Maybe even a little seed got dropped in there. You don't complain. You just drink it. It's grandma's orange juice. She got up early, picked the oranges, and went to a lot of trouble to make you the juice. You drink the juice. Don't complain. So I had to learn to drink orange juice with pulp. I don't think I ever really minded too much, but if I did, tough luck. (laughs) Kids have it so easy today, you know. I don't like it. Give me something else. Ooh. Kids are soft today. I treat my kids soft. They don't like what's for dinner. I got to make them something alternative. When I was a kid, what came out is what came out. And you dealt with it. And I was a kid who grew up in a Jewish family. So every once in a while at our house, We would have things like, oh, say, beef tongue. Mm -hmm. Beef tongue. Have you ever had beef tongue? It's kind of gnarly. It's very gnarly, especially the way it looks. It actually doesn't taste as bad as you might think, especially if you have it with mustard. That's the key to eating beef tongue, is you must have enough mustard with it. But it looks gnarly. We also had liver. Liver and onions, which doesn't look so gnarly, but I mean, for me, the taste of liver and onions is worse than beef tongue for me. Anyway, point being is you got what you got and that's what's for dinner. No one's going to make you no alternative. So you drink the orange juice and it's got lots of nice natural pulp in it. And I always remember waking up to that damn orange juice machine. It's like, Oh, my God. But one of the greatest things that grandmother did, I will say, for breakfast was something called fried matzah, which was great because she would take matzah crackers and put them with egg in the fry pan and cook it all up. And you've got this really cool egg matzah mixture. I can't really explain it, but it tasted great. I loved the fried matzah that's about the only thing that that grandma cooked that grandma wasn't so much of a a cook as my other one my my father's mother was more of a cook but grandma b she can make the fried matzah like nobody's business so another great memory of being there now we sometimes came for holidays as well and usually this would be passover Now, sometimes it was just the small family. Sometimes it was just our family, myself, my brother, my sisters, things like that, small group. But sometimes my cousins from Chicago would come, my cousins, Brooke and Erica, and my uncle Marshall and Aunt Freddie. And now we had a much bigger family group. And I loved it when they came. When we used to live in Chicago before we moved to California, I would play with my Chicago cousins all the time. We go to grandma's building in downtown Chicago and have a great old time. That's another story I'm going to get to in a minute. So I loved it when they came and it was even bigger family for that Passover. Now, my dad took Passover pretty seriously. Passover is a big celebration, big feast. It's a big to-do and it's a long deal. And he had all the books. So each individual... At the dinner, or the seder, would get their individual book to follow along. He had the master book, which was really big and had everything you need, and showed you everything on how to run the seder. And it's so big, he would edit it in a way. So he would go through and really work out very carefully which parts we were going to do, which parts we might skip over. And who was going to read each thing? Because there's a lot of reading. And everyone was assigned a part. Everybody participates. And everyone was assigned a particular section to read. Some people, like my uncle who knew Hebrew quite well, he read a lot of the Hebrew sections because he knew that quite well. Other people would read other things. And kids get their own section. Yes, indeed. Kids get their own section section of the passover seder that they get to read in fact they get to ask the essential questions why is this night different from all other nights and then the the adults in the group will literally answer the questions it's kind of beautiful i it's it i have a really i have a very strong feeling for passover i just i love it maybe it was because we were there in palm springs with the family or the extended family. There's something about it that I love. I love Passover. Even though it's long, it takes hours and hours, and there's all kinds of readings from the Bible and stories, and you'd think as a kid you'd be bored to death. I loved it. And you've heard it five, six, seven, eight times. I don't care. I could hear the story over and over again. It's a great story, for one. The story of being liberated from Egypt. It's a great story. I loved it. I loved doing Passover. I didn't mind. It's a beautiful thing. And my dad ran it so well. He was really, really good at it. And I loved, loved, loved doing Passover, especially with the larger family. So one time, and I think maybe we were in Late middle school, I'm going to say maybe we were 11 or 12, something like this. My cousins from Chicago were there and I was there. And we were at an age, at 11, 12-ish, that my dad and my uncle decided maybe for the first time we could have a little wine. Usually the kids get apple juice or what have you. But maybe this time we were old enough to have a little wine, actually. We could have some of the wine, too. Wine is a very important part of the Passover Seder. There's many toasts with wine. And there are many other interesting things that go on, too. I remember the shopping for the Seder, because you have to have a bitter herb and a lamb shank and this and that. And there's all kinds of very intricate um, symbols that show up in the Seder and you do things with these symbols that are significant to the story. So this year we get a little wine. This is cool, this is fun. And so we drink our wine and we're part of all the toasts and we drink our wine and we drink some more wine, drink a little more wine. It's really good actually, tastes really good. So we, we drink a bunch of wine. And then there's a break. Uh, At some point, I think we're having a break either just before, possibly just after dinner. Either one of those. Some kind of a little bit of a break. So we, cousins and I, go off down the hall to the bedroom, and we go nuts. We have the music cranking, and we're bouncing on the bed, and we're just screaming and freaking out and just kind of going ape. Wildly out of control having the best time in our lives. And we're kind of drunk. So in comes my dad. I don't remember if my dad and my uncle came in. It may be that they both came in, but I'm pretty sure it was my dad that gave us the talk. And he has a look on his face that is not good. That look on your parents' face That you know immediately and you say, oh, shit. We know what we've done. We're very clear about what we have done. We have drunken too much wine. We are a little drunk and we're going nuts. We're loving it. But we have clearly stepped over a line and father is very angry. And he says the thing that you never want to hear from a parent. He doesn't yell or scream or barely raise his voice. You wish he would, because he says the one thing that you don't want your parent to say, the one thing that really cuts, which is, I'm so disappointed in you. Isn't that the one thing when your parent says, I'm so disappointed in you? That just, uh, God, I'd rather you scream at me. I love my parents so much. My dad is particularly to disappoint him. And I knew that I had and what that meant. And it just, I was a bummer, man. You know, we thought you were old enough to handle a little wine. We thought you were old enough and responsible enough at this age to be able to deal with that and have a little something nice for yourself like wine. But it's clear that you weren't. You weren't old enough or responsible enough at all. You took advantage of this situation. You're acting crazy, out of control, embarrassing. I can't believe that you're doing this. It's shocking and upsetting to me. I can't believe it. You need to get your head on straight and knock it off. Well, that brought the mood down. (laughs) That brought the mood down. And I think that my uncle talked to my cousins in a similar way, separately. That brought the mood down. So we had to collect ourselves... Gather our, gather our collective heads together and figure out how to uh, come correct and get straight for the rest of this Seder, you know. I think we apologized later as well, later in the evening of the next day. I think we all said, you know, I'm sorry. We got way out of control. We were really excited about the wine. We really enjoyed it. We just went way too far, and, and we're sorry. We went too far. It was not right. Okay. So that was a very, very memorable, <laughs> that was a memorable Seder, but we did have a really good time. Um, the other funny thing about the Seder, last thing, there is the matzah, the affakomen. So you take a matzah and you break it in half. And I believe it symbolizes the brokenness. But if you find both halves of the of the, um of the Afakomen, you can put them together again and they match right up in your hole again. So you hide one half of the broken matzah somewhere in the house and the other half remains at the table. And usually near the very end of the ceremony, the youngest uh, children will go hunt for the Afakomen. It's a big deal. You go hunt for this thing. And whoever finds it gets, you know, a prize or a toy or something cool. The only problem with all this is I was the youngest child by a long shot. There were 10 years between my brother and I, the the next youngest child. So he, at this point, isn't really a child. He's pretty much an adult. I'm really the only kid around at these things. So who, I don't really have anyone to hunt with. I don't have another kid to hunt with. So who, who's going to hunt for this thing with me? So it's decided, well, since there's not another kid around, grandma will be the one. Grandma will hunt with you. She'll be the other participant. So it was me and grandma hunting for the Afogomen, usually hidden by one of my sisters. But it isn't really fair, is it? Because do you think Grandma wants to find the Afikoman? No. She has no interest in finding this thing. She's going to put up a good fight. She'll look, she'll hunt, she'll try a little bit. But she really doesn't want to win. Of course not. So it's a weird, funny little game. Where you're hunting, but you really know you're winning. It's just a matter of finding the thing. So I always won. Every time. And we got to go to the toy store and buy something cool, except for when the cousins came. When the cousins came, they were pretty much about my age. So finally, I had other people to legitimately compete against. So those were fun, too, because we had three legitimate kids to hunt for the Afacoma. Those were much more fun. And I didn't win those. I'm not sure if I ever beat them. Um, I think that a different person won every time, frankly. It wasn't always the same. I don't remember, but at least there was some legitimate competition. There was some real excitement uh, with that one. So always better all around when the cousins come. Um, And that was a huge, a huge highlight was uh, Passover at Grandma's in Palm Springs. It's just one of the other reasons why I love it there so much. It just... I have so many warm and awesome memories of that place. Just everything is warm and positive and family. (sighs) You know, you associate feelings with a place. And that's, for me, Palm Springs is just the feeling of warmth and family and good times. I love it, man. Now, one time, one time we went in the summer. Grandma wasn't there. But my dad had a really bad cold. And for some reason, we thought, hey, we should go out to the desert where it's nice and warm. That'll be good for your cold, right? Yeah, this is a good idea. Let's go. And so we went. And it was hot, hot. I may not, I may never have experienced a hotter temp than that. It was something like 107, 110. It was a lot. And the problem you realize very quickly is, you can't go outside very much. You can't survive in 110 degrees for very much. It's not like you can go to the pool. If you go to the pool, you have to be in the water or back in the house. You can't sit out by the pool and lounge and have a good time. You can't even play tennis. My mom and I tried to play tennis, but it turned out we had to go at like 7 in the morning where it was only 82 Before it got to be 10 and it was over 100. So that's not very good either. You can't really go anywhere because it's too hot. And if you do, you're going to be in an air-conditioned place. So you stay in the house a lot where it's air-conditioned. And now you've got a cold and you're sitting in air-conditioning. It doesn't make any sense. It took us all of a day and a half to be like, this is a dumb idea. This is terrible. Why are we here? We got to leave. (laughs) Dad isn't getting any better sitting in air conditioning. Mom and I can't have any fun doing anything because if you're outside, you're frying. It's just I don't know how people survive in Palm Springs year-round, and there's many that do. I I guess you get very acclimated to it, I suppose, but I don't know how you survive year-round in that place. It's really rough in the summer, but beautiful in the winter. I haven't been back to Palm Springs since I was a kid, probably high school, except for one time. Now, many, many years ago, I was in California for some reason, and I thought, gosh, I really want to go to Palm Springs. I want to drive out there and just see it one more time because I haven't been there since I was a kid, and I just I have this desire to see it and experience it again. So I brought my daughter with me, which was fun, and I got to show her all the cool places that I went as a kid. We went and saw Grandma's house, and we saw the club. It's still there, and the mountains behind it, and all the the neighborhood and the streets. Now, out back of Grandma's, where there used to be the undeveloped area, which was all cool dirt biking, that's all been developed now, obviously. That's all now streets and houses. No more undeveloped, cool dirt bike racing out there and we went downtown and we saw all the shops. I think, yeah, my memory was that the A&W was taken out and replaced by a shop or something. So that was sort of a, a sad thing uh, to have no more A&W there. I spent a lot of time there, but, you know, the temperature was nice. It was that same kind of feeling and of course, all the palm trees. It was a very, it's changed. You know, things change over the years. It's never the same as when you're a kid. There's all these little tiny changes that you that you recognize. There was little guard gates up now. In my uh, grandmother's apartment complex, they had a little parking lot. And I used to ride my bike in that parking lot because there were some little jumps you could take off the curb and stuff. Well, now you can't really zip in and out of that thing because there's little guard gates that are blocking that off so not just anyone can uh, park in there or what have you little things like that that you notice you know little tiny things that only you would notice so everything changes it's never exactly the same but a lot of it was the same a lot of it was the same and i had similar feelings it was just um it was really fun to be back i really enjoyed just being there and seeing it again, and you get a little bit of that flood of memories again. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun to show my daughter a piece of my childhood that was such a big deal to me. It's always fun as a parent to share some of these things with your kids. You know, They were so meaningful to you. I don't know if it comes across whether they care or they don't care, but you have that need uh, to share these things. Like, look at this. This was, man, that mountain, man. I climbed that many times. Anyway, that's Palm Springs. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate that. Please stay tuned. There's many, many more stories coming down the pike. Um, the website is com. You can find all the podcast episodes there, or you can subscribe and iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you want to. I'm everywhere. There's also a blog on the website. If you want to read about my voiceover adventures, I uh, blog about the experiences that I have getting into this voiceover industry. And if you want to work with me as a voiceover, if you've got a commercial or e-learning project, a corporate narration, wherever you have, I'd love to voice something for you. Be the voice of your brand. Wouldn't that be fun? So check me out on the website, listen to the demos, and contact me at david at davidjacobsvoiceover.com if you want to work together, or if you just want me to audition for something. No pressure, just let me read something for you, and if you like it, you do, and if you don't, no harm, no foul. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next time.